0: Beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Girth. Yo, and welcome to My Summer Lair. I'm your host, Sam Unin. Uh, Matt, thank you for taking some time during FITC. I know it's a busy time, and you just finished up your presentation on uh, storytelling.
1: Yes, we had a patch room, and I think, uh, I hope everybody was there for my talk, because we got moved at the last second. So, (laughs) I, I was worried that when you have a patch room and somebody says, oh, by the way, this is a different talk, everybody, leaves but yeah they, they stayed
0: it's like the first day of class or whatever right where the teacher put this is Spanish 101 I'm like right. Spanish Correct. I signed up for Japanese right. I'm like I'm out of here yeah, that's when as a presenter you're praying please don't you know depart en masse." you should be proud of yourself I was sitting in the back and nobody fell asleep that's good
1: that's a that's one of the things if nobody leaves or falls asleep you know and third if nobody takes a phone call you know? yeah like those are the three things that if you do those in a presentation you've nailed
0: it all right high five yeah. way to go yeah. So we're starting off on a positive note, obviously. And uh, explain what you do, because you are the editor-in-chief for 99U. Uh, And congratulations, by the way. 99U is sold out. The conference coming up in May. uh, May 9 to 11 in New York City is sold out. So that's another really cool. So explain for people that don't know or not familiar with what 99U does, because they do a lot of cool things.
1: So 99U is ultimately owned by Adobe. We're part of the Adobe family. And uh, Adobe, they make hard tools, Photoshop, you know, XD, et cetera, that creatives can use to make whatever they're, they're trying to make. We look at 99U as another tool, and it's knowledge and insights. So you can use the actual products to make what you need to make, but between using the products, you can learn a little bit about how your design peers or maybe the designers you look up to in the industry are you know, mastering their crafts, sort of shaping their industry. So we approach it like, um, like how the New York Times would approach, you know, business or food or anything like that. Except our audience and our subject focus are designers in the greater design world. Anybody from maybe an illustrator, uh, maybe an interaction designer, uh, you know, the whole gamut of design. And our goal is to find out a couple of things. One how they're building their careers, how they're mastering their crafts and how they're, you know, having a greater impact on the design world. And the idea is that if you are a designer, you can come and read a story about you know, something on our on our website and you can not only learn about something interesting by one of your peers, but hopefully we can provide you with some takeaway service tips or ideas that you can apply to your own your own craft. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's a knowledge-based Almost learning platform, but it's a. We, we try to elevate it to a storytelling platform.
0: Is that the secret then to a good conference? I mean, you're here at FITC. You're throwing your own conference. Is that kind of like tips and knowledge and story-based platform? Is that kind of the secret, the secret sauce? I guess to a, I would a say, good I would conference? say um,
1: and this could give a lot of credit, all the credit to our conference director Andrea Rosen, who leads the charge behind the conference. I think. Two of the pillars of the success that she's had and we've had as a team are, one, curating and finding the right people, okay? The people who – there are a lot of people out on the design circuit right now. We're going to have some big names for sure, but we need to find the the next generation stars, the people who are sort of on the the verge of becoming big but who you haven't heard of yet, you know? So they're going to be the people who are on the design circuit in the next couple of years. Hopefully you see them at 99U first. So we have sort of – you know, the, the, the people that might not be on your radar, but who have really interesting stories to tell. So you have the curation of the right people. And then yes, it's the, the delivering of the knowledge. So 99U Conference in particular, we're not going to have uh, the people who speak, the presenters are not just going to go up there and talk about the work that they've made and the, how they made the work. They're going to share something that's a story of their own. Yes. But again, it should have a takeaway value. If you are listening to a designer, but in the audience, you happen to be a marketer or an educator, you should still learn something from that talk that you can apply to your own your own ideas. And I think that's the really important thing. Again, we're not just going up there and talking about ourselves. Or our presenters aren't just talking about ourselves. They're talking about their perspective and how it could benefit the people in the audience. And I think that's a hallmark of a good conference. Conversely, we've all seen those conferences where people just go up and talk about themselves and you say, what am I getting
0: out of this? Yeah. I mean, it's also shifted too now with social media because it's like, if you win an award or something, you could just like plug it on Twitter or Instagram and then you're done. Like to sit there in front of an audience and like, I won the following awards. I'm like, that doesn't help me or benefit me. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can get rid of that kind of stuff, just establish who you are and then just kind of get into like what you're saying, the tips and the stories.
1: Yeah. And we give a lot of credit, our audience, I think audiences in general, and it goes back to something I shared in the, the presentation today is a good story allows you to promote yourself without looking like a self-promoter. So I can talk to you about what I'm doing, but I should hopefully, as as the storyteller, go beyond that and share something that's relevant to you.
0: And you mentioned curation, like you're looking for people that are kind of on the fringe or kind of um, not quite discovered yet. Yep. Um, the fruit isn't quite ripe right yet. Right. And uh, so, what is it that's in terms of curation that is making you and your your team? What is making your spider sense tingle, or what makes you say, "Ooh."
1: I think broad view, think of it like a good dinner party, okay? If you just invite 10 or 20 executives to a dinner party, you know, you're going to get 10 or 20 executives. And there's nothing wrong with a dinner party of executives, but, you know, that's not really representative of the creative community. So we want to find, yes, uh, we have some people who are VPs of design and heads of design at some big companies. We also have uh, some independent designers. We also have people who might have two- or three-person design studios that they might not be known across the, the country, but like they're doing really, really cool stuff in our backyard in New York City. And I think it goes, th- the other point of this is to always be talking to people. This is uh, a reference to talk that I just gave, so I don't know if people uh, in your audience, your listeners, will have the full context, but the art of reporting is hanging out and talking to people, learning a little bit about them. And it goes beyond the surface or the the few talking points that they're going to spit back to you. So we spend a lot of time with these people. We spend a lot of time talking to designers to find out, okay, who are the ones that have a good story on the surface? But who are the ones, if we can sort of peel back the layers, have an unbelievable story that we haven't quite heard yet, that's the one that we're going to look for the latter.
0: It's kind of like a a good first date in a sense. Yes. What, you're sa- what you're saying, because like a good first date, somebody tells you a story or two, they make you laugh. Uh, maybe you play with your hair, right. and then you want to like come back to this person, like, oh, okay, yeah, you get a second date. Like you pass whatever litmus test.
1: Right. We want to say, okay, that person is intriguing as as a candidate or interview subject, as a, as a presenter at the conference. But let's talk to them again, and let's talk to them again, and let's talk to them again and again. Start to find that thing deeper within their narrative that is equally as interesting as we thought they were, but that they have not shared yet. And that takes a lot of work. You know, I think you know, if you're just going for the surface story, you're going to have a conference full of people who are just sharing the obvious. You know, it, the value that a reporter brings to this or the value that somebody like Andrea brings to this who has an editorial mindset is that she knows how to dig deeper into somebody's history, their perspective, their background, and find... The thing that there's, you know, that that we can all see that they're ready to share, but they they maybe haven't seen it themselves, but that they're ready to share as well.
0: What you're talking about too, um, I mean, I used the word creation, and you used it as well, but it's like it's the old school thing. Now that vinyls kind of come back, it's you're digging through the stacks, yeah. right? You can get a whole pile of like records, or going to a record shop, but you have to kind of know what you're looking for, or what you find. Right. Like, oh, right. this is a great album, and this is like whatever and a lot of times people just they just accept Netflix at face value or they accept Spotify at face value and they don't know how to look for anything so they just listen to Rihanna or something like that right but there's all these cool movies and things that are just sitting on Netflix just waiting to be discovered and waiting. All this music on Spotify is waiting to be discovered. Yep. And people just don't have that habit. You're talking about that editorial curation where you can dig through the stacks and find a couple of gems or a couple of uh, hidden tracks.
1: Right, it takes, it takes a lot of patience. Personally, that's something that I'm not good at. I want everything right now. And I think maybe... Our right now, society, we all want that, but I'll give you a good example. This person hasn't spoken to the conference, or at least not yet, but it was one of the favorite stories I've ever done for 99U. Uh, talked about a little bit in the presentation earlier. Her name was Norma Jean Maloney. She's a sign painter from Texas, you know, sort of has an old school craft, works in a tiny town of Taylor, Texas, out there on, on the plains. Probably nobody's heard of her outside of, of Taylor, perhaps, or at least outside of the Austin corridor. She has a fascinating story about somebody who spent the last 20, 25 years making these huge sacrifices and huge moves going from San Francisco to Nashville to Austin to Taylor that sort of gave her more and more financial freedom with every move to be able to to pursue the craft as, as she wants to. Again, people probably haven't heard of her, but, like, I liked her a lot because that's a common theme that we can all relate to in the creative industry, yet she has a perspective that is one that we haven't heard or at least that one that you know, when you're sitting there in New York City or in a San Francisco, you're not going to get you have to go to the towns on the plains to find these people who have really amazing stories to share.
0: Yeah, it kind of harkens back to the fact that success is not always this kind of this fame or this like And I mean, we've kind of bought into this a little bit with social media as well. Right. It's like I have all these like followers or like whatever. And you could still be doing really cool work Uh and just kind of be on the fringe or kind of be in your own little like world, like Taylor. Like, I don't even know where that I've been to Austin. I have no idea where Taylor is. Right. And so the fact that you can, she can exist in this world and kind of create and have her own life, just express her creativity. That's amazing. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would encourage people when they're thinking of good stories, uh, to go back to the, the, the perfect point you just made, success is not always uh, evaluated or determined by a gold medal or an award that you won or something like that. To me, as an editor who evaluates ideas and is looking for stories everywhere, that that will apply to a very, very small percentage of, of the stories that we do. Somebody who's won an award or done a huge job for uh, an international client or or something in that, in that regard, I want the human part of it. I want the human interest story where somebody has... Uh, came across it. They went off on an adventure. They were challenged at some point. They probably failed uh, as a result of that challenge. But in the end, they've learned something. They've picked up a bit of wisdom that they can share, making what they say meaningful to me as an editor and as an audience. So when when people are thinking about their own stories, I would encourage them, don't overcomplicate it or don't overthink it. Just because you haven't won a gold medal doesn't mean you don't have a story worth sharing. Everybody has a story deep down somewhere.
0: And in terms of um, the storytelling that you, the focus that you have, has working in 99U and kind of talking to all these different designers, these different creative people, um, doing the conference, has all this kind of changed or refined your definition of creator, uh, creative leadership and what that means? Yeah, I think
1: that a couple of things that I've seen with, with creative and, and leadership is that more broadly in the design industry or in the business industry, for example, we have CEOs... We have CFOs, we have CMOs, we have maybe chief people officers now or chief product officers. And yes, I know we are saying designers are getting more of a place at, at the table, but like, when I look at the executive suites, I'm not seeing creative people uh, by and large. Like, They haven't saturated it by any means. Uh, now maybe there are people at certain companies, smaller companies, bigger companies, et cetera, but like, I want to see more creatives leading companies or at least you know in that in that executive team and i think we have some sort of i don't know what the right word is but like if, if you're in the creative side or the design side you don't quite have the same you know perspective as somebody who has the numbers right like they're the quote unquote business people i would the say the bean counters
0: the, the bean counters
1: right and it's always been accepted that they're the business people or the marketing people or the, you know, the finance people why are they the leaders of these companies some of the brightest people I know, and I've encountered are the designers or the people who can think creatively, who also have a strategic brain, who can bring what they do to the company in a different way that complements the numbers. But it it should be seen on on the the level playing field as the more numbers or, or hard data types of people at these companies.
0: It's one of the ironies in like Hollywood, where like they mention like HBO or Netflix or something, and they'll they'll refer to them as talent friendly. I'm like. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be ta- right you're supposed to that's be talent your from. product
1: you know like good talent translates to good uh shows and good good movies and that's the product that you sell
0: yeah but it goes back to what you're saying which is like a lot of times a lot of the people that are running these studios not every studio but a lot of people that are running these studios are being counters and are like yeah. look we could put out an Avengers movie if we can make this for fifty million dollars we'll be able to make hundred million right? right and that's how they're looking at it. Just put the damn thing out
1: right, right? according to a certain a budget line item I think this this also then puts the onus on creatives. Uh, for me when I f- started as a storyteller, I was just thinking purely about a good story, you know, and in terms of phrases and ways to describe a scene and you know interesting words that I could use and that to me was like the end all be all with a good story. As I've sort of evolved a bit, I not only still do appreciate and, and understand what goes into a good story, but uh, more of the editor aspect, you need to be able to share two things. One, how that story that you're telling provides value to your audience. I mean, they're like your key customer, they're, they're your key user. But you also then need to be able to share that with your boss or your boss's boss or with the people at your company who are the business-minded executives, right? You can't just go to them and say, hey, we should exist because we tell great stories, right? You have to say, we should exist because here is the value that we bring to Adobe and we have to, as creatives, think from a strategic or a business perspective you know some for me that's not easy i would just like to talk about stories all day and the interesting people that i that i've interviewed but i have to now translate what we do put it into sort of that that businessy kind of lingo or or perspective and share it with the people who you know are are in charge of of our departments our organization
0: that makes sense because i mean eventually you 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 can write out as much ideas as you want down on a napkin or like have inspirations and right. stuff, but you eventually have to like execute it. Right. That's why like Spielberg has a body of work. Cause he's yeah. like, he's constantly executing either as a director, or as a producer, where somebody just walking around is like, I got some great ideas for film. Right. I'm like, well, what have you done? Right. So does the story um, change by the medium, whether you're working on something like YouTube or, like, say, for medium, like your blog writing, or in your case, like writing a 100-page book to a girl <laughs> right. to impress her, right? Does the, does the story kind of change per medium, or can the story be universal and kind of uh, cross mediums?
1: I think the, the, the genesis or the, the root of a good story is the same no matter where you tell it. You have to have, you know, start by sharing your unique spin on some kind of universal theme. You know, that person who's ever starring in your story takes you on an adventure, they face a challenge, they learn something, they come out wiser in the end, and they share it with their audience. Now, how you share that story or how you tell that story, it could be different depending on the medium. The funny thing for me, though, is I – as somebody who prints stuff in a magazine, um, on Twitter, at 99U, uh, on our website, uh, on Instagram, like – it's like yes and no. So I'm not going to answer your question in in a great, uh, very firm way. But I'm going to say this. A couple weeks ago, uh, Wired Magazine had a cover story on Facebook. And it was like a 40 or 50,000 word story all about what was going wrong at Facebook. I sat down one night on my phone and read that whole 40 or 50,000 word piece scrolling on my phone. I mean, I I never would have thought I would have done that. I'm I'm a... Believer in print, I'm a magazine guy, and all of a sudden, here I am reading this sort of totem of journalism on a phone. So what does that say? Does that say that long form should only be reserved for a place like print where you can sit down and really hang out with the pages? No, I think it's showing that people are going to – if it's a good story, people are going to read it no matter what the medium. Uh, One little caveat, though, I will say for us at 99U is when we do have stories online, we try to get to the point a little bit faster. The titles are more direct. We're not going to have some sort of literary, interesting title that we might have in a magazine because people have already paid for and committed time to that. We're just going to say, you know, if this is a story on how uh, creative freelancers can better do their taxes, that's going to be the title of of our piece
0: picking up on a couple of the threads you've you've said so far we've kind of established that like success obviously is not like uh, you can't always define it by like the box office or uh-huh. by the awards and things like that which makes sense but if you have a smaller story like your friend from Taylor uh-huh. right like you said she may not be big outside of Austin right and Texas alone is huge right, right? so just to be big in Austin is really quote, quote unquote not really denting anything you know right. what I mean so can you make decent money or good money telling a small story like that?
1: That's a good question. I think what we're, what we're looking for more broadly is the mix, okay? We know that every story that we do at 99U cannot be about somebody from a small town that you've never heard of, but who has a really interest, you know, interesting human angle to, to whatever they're, they're, they're doing. Now, if we tell that story as part of, you know, nine or ten other stories that are on our homepage, hopefully what that does is sort of show you the character and the personality of 99U. Of now, at the same time, on that homepage, we also might have a story that's a little more straightforward. Um, like the example I gave earlier, we just did a piece where we interviewed a couple of accountants who specialize in doing uh, taxes for designers slash creative independent freelancers. And we had them sort of debunk the myths of the 1099 or 10 common myths, right? That's not the most original story, but that's a very helpful story to people who would be in our audience. And when you need to know how to do your taxes, like that's a tactile story that you can go to. And that's the story that's probably going to get a lot of a lot more page views perhaps than this person um, from Taylor, Texas. And so we want to make sure that if we have both an interesting you know, human character, we should probably have a story that maybe is more idea-driven, that's going to get a bit more um, coverage perhaps, or that's going to be relevant next year and the next year and the next year uh, because it's, everybody has to do, th- do their taxes every year. So what I think it comes down to as an editor or a storyteller, it's not just about One story, it's about saying, okay, what are the the 10 or 15 stories that we're going to do here? Or what goes back to your question about curation of the conference? Sure, we can have some under-the-radar people that our our audience might not have heard of yet, but we can't have 15 under-the-radar people, right? We have to have a few big names, a few big companies, uh, some people who are leading the cool, groovy design studios, and a couple of people who you haven't heard of yet. And if you put all those people together, that's going to be an an interesting mix, and that's going to show our personality as a brand.
0: It's like a music festival, right? You need yeah. the 20-point font bands yeah. like Green Day or YouTube. Everyone's like, oh, ho, I want to see them, yeah. right? I come, f-
1: I come for Green I—I I come for a Green Day at the end of the day, but I get there at two o'clock. I'm exposed to some cool new bands that I haven't heard of yet. Maybe in the future, some of these bands become you know, the, the green days of tomorrow, but it's about saying, okay, this is the vibe of the festival. this is the feel of the festival. Sure we could get 20 headliners and just go right through the list but I think it goes back to the, the curation you know hopefully you, you, you give your audience something a little more interesting, a little more thoughtful.
0: Yeah and that's also you can't always just keep depending or keep using the same like established people right, right
1: like, because I don't mean to cut you up but especially certain industries you know food, business, entrepreneurship it feels like if you look at conferences from time to time or at least the greater world, you hear the same names again and again now justifiably so these people are the the superstars the rock stars you know but what you try to do is again talk to the rock star at the right time while having a mix of of other people otherwise what's the value
0: yeah and sometimes too because these people have spoken so much that it's like you kind of already know what they're going to say so there's not like a lot like when your emphasis was you wanted people to take away certain things and to learn certain things You know what i mean and if somebody kind of speaks it's like this guy again or this girl again it's like all right and then you just check down the boxes and you're like all right i didn't learn anything new
1: and that's a requirement of the 99 U presentation share something new we don't want people to come up and rehash a talk that they've been giving on the circuit we don't want them to kind of you know hammer home a point that they've been driving home for the past six months come up with a new original idea and you have a huge stage you have a thousand people at lincoln center in new york city to deliver that idea And uh, that's that's interesting.
0: How do you balance, like, so that's one of the emphasis as we've been talking is this idea that somebody has a different point of view or a different world perspective. And so sharing that is like, I don't want to use the word courage because it's kind of a cheesy, Uh but... It, it's a lot harder for people, especially now the way that social media is kind of operating, it's a lot harder for people to kind of break out of that mentality, that group heard mentality, group think mentality, because you're not always going to be appreciated for your worldview. It's like, right. we've already decided on this. Right. <laughs> and so you come along like, I think it's pink. I'm like, what? Right. No, we've all decided it's brown. You're wrong. You're politically incorrect. You have to go to the back. And like, does the, how do you do that with the conference in terms of like encouraging people to keep that? Uh, perspective in that worldview knowing that they're going to sometimes be branded as heretics Uh,
1: I would say just to step back for a second from an an editorial storytelling standpoint we're a little different or at least I think we have a different philosophy than say a company if you're a company big corporation and somebody says I don't like your product or I don't like this or this isn't great for me or something like that I think companies tend to get offended they get upset somebody doesn't like what we do or at least they have a different opinion about what we produce than we have, right? Versus an editorial property like ourselves, if we put out a story and somebody says, I completely disagree, or I can't believe you guys wrote that, here's my perspective on it, or they they have a counterpoint, we say, that's great, that's healthy, you know, because we feel like we are durable and strong enough to differences of opinion. And if if our goal is less about telling, it's about, obviously, it's about telling a great story, but it's also about provoking thought and sparking new conversations like that's really the ultimate goal so we can do a good story and somebody can say I love that story that was the best thing I ever I read and I learned so much and somebody could have a completely different perspective and if that conversation continues a back and forth like that's good because we know that this story this idea struck a chord with people and they all don't have to agree with it and they can disagree with it if they want, but at least people are talking about hot topic issues in the world of design. So I think what we have to think about, whether it's the conference or or the editorial or even some of the stories that we do where I say, well, I don't always agree with that. Like, we've done stories where I said, I don't agree with that or I don't see where that person's coming from, but it's a thoughtful uh, perspective. It's a thoughtful point of view. Let's publish it anyway. Let's see what happens. Nothing wrong with that. And if somebody disagrees with it, they're more than happy to, uh, they're more than welcome to share, share why and let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, consensus is not always validation. Right.
1: So I think this is what, what scares people up because what if I say something that you disagree with and uh, now all of a sudden we have Twitter and like somebody says something really ridiculous on Twitter?
0: Now we got a rumble.
1: Yeah, you know. But let's just have like a thoughtful debate or, or disagreement and, and as long as we respect each other, that's great. And that's, the, that's a, a, a thought provoking story can, can do that.
0: How do you stay grounded in your own story and the story that 99U is telling? The story you t- you're telling as Matt, when you're surrounded by all these really cool ideas, because it almost isn't it like almost like shiny objects where like oh let's let's go down this road. This is really new now, and it's like or some new VR technology or something comes out and it's like let's go down this road. How do you stay grounded in the midst of all these really cool ideas and really cool creative people?
1: We have a uh, I would say at 99U our stories we're. Kind of one of, of underdogs. We're a relatively small team. We have maybe four or five people, uh, and we do a lot with those types of people. So that keeps us humble, just anyways, because we always feel like there's more for us to do. Uh, but your question is about, you know, I think it's about like focus. How do we decide what we're going to do, and and, and where are we going to put our, our energy and our efforts? And the idea of VR is really interesting because, you know, a couple of years ago in the, the publishing world, everybody was talking about. Video. Video, Before that, they were talking about tablets. The iPad was going to save media. Yeah. People weren't reading in print, but now they're going to read on a tablet and we're going to be okay. So let's focus all of our energy into making a magazine that works on a tablet. And then, uh, you know, the last couple of years, well, nobody really did the tablet. So now we're going to go to um, video because that's where this is all going. So we're all going to pivot to video and we're just going to try to tell stories in a completely different, different medium. And guess what? V- video hasn't saved publishing, you know? Uh, people resorted to Facebook. Facebook's going to save publishing, right? Uh, so let's gear all of our stories and our, our headlines and our whatever towards towards Facebook. Facebook hasn't saved, saved publishing, So for us, we try not to overcomplicate things. I don't believe that anything is going to save publishing, and I believe at the end of the day, we just need to tell good, high-quality stories. And sometimes when people are talking about the next new shiny object, uh, like we're not going to discount VR by any means. We're not going to discount video, but we have to say, look, with the size of our team, what can we realistically do? And even though everybody might be talking about pivoting to video, sometimes when everybody is talking about the hot new thing, We look back at the old standard, the old classic, and say, wait a second. Just because nobody's talking about email, let's not get away from email. We have a huge, we have uh, somewhere around 250,000 people that we have on our weekly newsletter. That is great. We get direct contact with them every week. Uh, They signed up to be on our newsletter, so it's an organic sign-up. They want to get our contact. Uh, If Facebook changes its algorithm tomorrow, that does not get in the way of our connection with our readers. Uh, so when everybody's talking about video, we're saying, let's double down on email. Let's grow that email list. Let's get that email list as obnoxiously big as we can get it. So then we can have you know more and more people that we have direct contact with, even though nobody's really out there saying email is going to save publishing.
0: I used the an analogy of vinyl before, but vinyl is also kind of what you're talking about. Like Everyone thought vinyl was dead. Everyone thought vinyl yeah. was going to go away, and it got replaced by the cassette and by the CD and then the MP3. Uh, and it, uh, oh. All this technology kept coming out, and then all the record companies and bands and stuff doubled down on the new technology. Uh-huh. Vinyl's still here and doing quite well.
1: Uh-huh. And, and uh, like, I'll give you another example on video. Again, not that we're going to discount it, but given the size of our team, the best thing that works for us is just to tell articles online, because they can be easily shared. I also take the subway to and from work. And th- videos do not play on the subway. You know, we're underground, but I can put a story on my phone and I can read it by the time I go from 85th Street to 14th Street. Versus a video, it's, I have no internet connection. So from a, a, a ease of use standpoint, a story is pretty good.
0: You mentioned the team, and you mentioned Andrea, uh, who helps with the conference. Can you just kind of break down? Because you're the editor-in-chief, obviously, so you're the big cheese. And then who else is on the team?
1: We have so Andrea is our conference director. She oversees, you know, our our live events. Uh, we have a creative director named Mark Brooks, and he was really instrumental in transforming 99U in the last couple of years from its origins as a place that had productivity tips and more general career advice to one that is focused uh, at, with the designer at the center. Okay, we're going to change what we do, and we're going to cover the greater design world. And it was his, you know, ideas and his thinking that really helped us uh, move from there. Um, and then we have a designer, um, a freelance designer. We have a, a freelance uh, editorial, uh, editor, sorry, contributing editor. So that's more or less the team at this point. And then uh, about a dozen um, freelance writers who write for us as well.
0: So, like you, I have an English degree. Yeah. So, how do you, how the heck do you get from an English degree into this kind of environment? Because it's not a natural path. No,
1: and I never thought I would work. I guess Adobe is technically a, I don't know what if you call it a technology company, I hope or think it's a, you know, creative company, or at least we're, we're getting there, Thinking, having people think more and more about that first. I, before I came to 99U, was a, a freelance writer. I wrote for places like Bon Appetit, GQ, Wall Street Journal, ESPN, so I could tell a story about anywhere. And I always, when I moved to New York, I thought, you know, that's what I would do. I would have one day write at uh, one of these big, venerable institutions, and I would be on contract and I could tell stories about whatever piqued my interest. Um, a couple of years ago, though, I got to thinking, man, how does this story that I'm telling at GQ about a chef encourage readers to want to buy more deodorant from Procter and Gamble? You know, I started thinking about that. Wait a second. This is a, the story that I'm telling is a long way away from sort of the, the end user result. So does it make sense for me to continue on in this pure editorial world? You know, for maybe others it does, but for me I started thinking what I need to do is transfer my, the the bare essence of what I do, tell stories, and I need to move from maybe magazines or traditional publications, what if I could find a brand where the stories that I'm telling benefit the brand, They they, they provide value to that brand. I got connected with Adobe, and that's a perfect fit for me because Adobe makes tools for creative people. And I have the, the chance and the opportunity now to, to, to tell stories about how creative people are doing what they do. I'm not a designer by, by trade, but I feel like I am a creative person, so this is near and dear to, to what I like to do and what I'm passionate about. It's and the I same th- language. It's the same, and it's, it's still storytelling at the end of the day. Sure, I'm probably never going to get my byline in The New Yorker, to me, I'm okay with that because Adobe provides a lot of benefits that maybe you know, a Condé doesn't at this point in my life, and I largely get to do what I do, have freedom and independence to tell stories, but now there's a, there's a, a, a shorter distance to go between what I do and what our company does. You know, We don't have to take a roundabout way from a chef to selling deodorant for Procter & Gamble. Now, Adobe makes great tools for people. We provide no- knowledge for those creatives. There's, like, there's a, a better synergy there.
0: You mentioned writing for ESPN, for uh, Fast Company. You wrote about the NBA uh, replay. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess being in New York City, too, you're a big sports guy. Yes. Are you long-suffering with the Knicks, or are you a little bit more hopeful, or where, what kind of teams do you follow?
1: Well, the funny thing about New York is that you talk to a lot of people there. You have the diehards, the people who are, are from the area, who have, you know, have their teams and their allegiances and stuff like that. But you also have this whole crowd of people who, who've come to New York from elsewhere. And they, have, they bring with them their, their allegiances. So for me, I come from uh, the Midwest, from Iowa. We don't have any pro teams, so I kind of I chose the, the Packers, because uh, that's where my grandparents grew up rooting for. I chose the Bulls because I loved Michael Jordan, and that was the closest pro basketball team that I have. So I've at least had, had those teams. Uh, and for, for better or for worse, I haven't you know, taken on too many New York teams, which I'm okay with
0: right now. Yeah, I mean it's you're still suffering with the Bulls. I mean they had that window with D Rose there and he w- looked so good and then he I don't know what happened. That's a sad story. If we That's a sad story, yeah. <laughs> if we're picking up the theme of stories, right? Yeah. Like that was a like he had it but just couldn't uh, the injuries and everything else. So uh yeah, that's sad. So uh you are in Toronto for our, uh FITC and uh you started off your talk very excited about bacon sandwiches.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, as was part of the introduction, as part of my bio, I say that I'm willing to travel long distance for a good meal. I always have been. I, I grew up in a family that prized uh, dinner time together. We were not allowed to watch TV during dinner. We actually would often, especially when I visited my grandparents, have cocktail hour before dinner. So like meals in our family are very serious business. When we wake up in the morning in our family, we start talking about what we're gonna have for dinner that night. So I've always taken it you know, that, that seriously. Uh, and today I was out jogging this morning um, and I ran by a, a, a restaurant. I, I, didn't really even have like a name it just says we serve bacon sandwiches that's all you need for a name that's enough okay you got me you know i'm gonna come back here i don't know what meal i could possibly fit in maybe like it's gonna be a four o'clock bacon sandwich or something like that but it's like this is intriguing enough being from iowa and loving bacon as i do i gotta come back and finding this place interestingly enough across the street there was a place called like reliable fish and chips like that was the whole name and (laughs) i had to run back and look is it really reliable fish and chips like that's the best they could do not like crispy fish and chips or hot fish and chips (laughs) reliable okay do i want to go there well it's not as good as we serve bacon sandwiches
0: yeah that's fair uh being in canada and being in Toronto, have you tried poutine yet
1: i have i am a huge fan of poutine i've never had it actually in canada oh okay yeah anything that mixes cheese curds gravy and french fries that's my kind of meal. But so so. do you have any recommenda- recommendations of places? For poutine? Yeah.
0: There's a place on Queen West called Poutineery. Okay. And uh, they just have, uh, they put pulled pork on it. They put bacon on it. Okay. Uh, there's a whole bunch of varieties in there. So you can, I'll give you the address after we wrap up and uh, you can go down and check that out. Right, poutineery? So, yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, you'll have a good time. And then, uh, but it's a heavy meal though, right? So don't go like running after, like do another talk or something like
1: well, I try to eat. I try to eat healthier during the first half of the week, and then the second half of the week, I let myself go. But I figure that potatoes are vegetables, right? So like, I can get away with it on a Monday. Yeah,
0: and pulled pork has vitamin C. That's
1: right, protein.
0: <laughs> so is it, basically it, a health food. It works out, yeah. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for uh, talking and uh, hanging out at FITC and taking a few minutes to talk to me during the. I know the schedule can get hectic. Uh, just what you want to just plug where people can find 99U online and the internet, the whole.
1: Yep. Uh, If you're interested in finding more about 99U or reading about how creatives are doing really cool stuff in the industry, uh, all of our stories are posted on our website, 99u.adobe.com. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about our conference, which is May 9th through the 11th, uh, you can find more information about it as well. The conference is sold out but uh, we're gonna do it again next year so uh, you can learn a little bit about what we do After the conference is over you can watch some of the videos from the presenters and you know get a, get a taste of, of what we do every year in New York City in May.
0: Cool. Thank you Matt for taking some time. My name is Sam Yunin, and this has been my summer lair. You can follow me at my pal Sammy. Thanks Matt.
1: Thanks, Sam.